0: Coming up on today's podcast, we've got former England spinner and current Lightning Supremo, Kirsty Gordon. Now we talked to Kirsty about all things cricket, including the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy, the Charlotte Edwards Cup and the 100. We also talked to Kirsty about having to make the difficult decision to turn professional and having to give up her Scottish nationality in order to do so.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, Kirstie. Um It's been quite a hectic season, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it's it's been crazy, especially when you compare it to, I suppose, last season when we obviously barely got any cricket in, and we've had the the county stuff, the Rachel Hill Flint, and now the Charlotte Edwards Cup, and so yeah, it's been it's been full on. It's been great. Have you been able to breathe much, or has it just been <laughs> like just non-stop? Yeah, it's been um, it was all right. Like it's quite slow to begin with, you know, with the county stuff, and then since we've got into the thick of it in the regional stuff, it has been pretty full on and. Like I told you the other day, like me and Catherine have moved house, so it's just been manic. But now nah, I quite I quite enjoy life when it's full on.
1: Yeah, because we just said you moved house. So who are you living with at the moment?
2: Brycey, just the two of us. Um, we've moved into a little two bed, so it's um it's quite nice to get some space. And we're just on the edge of Loughborough as well, which is nice.
1: Yeah, because I saw on your Instagram you cutting the grass or something, and, <laughs> yeah. and the garden looks huge. You could probably have like a I know strip in there. To be fair, you don't need to come on to yeah. campus and train.
2: <laughs> I know it's decent to be fair, I've got a quite a big garden so we'll get some barbecues at the back end of the summer hopefully after the 100.
1: Nice, yeah. So we're going to start off talking about um, Lightning at the moment. Um, obviously it's been a bit of a tough season for you. It's been quite a mixed bag I guess because you've had some like high moments and it didn't quite go to plan. I heard like the wicket was really slow at Leicester and it was quite a difficult match to play and everything but you personally have had some really good performances. So what are your thoughts on the season so far? Obviously we're halfway through both Rachel Hayha Flint Trophy and Charlotte edwards cup now so tell us a little bit about your season in 2021
2: yeah well like you've hit the nail on the head there it's been a real mixed bag to be honest we were in a decent spot in the rachel hale flint competition we're two from four which i think there's been quite a lot of mixed results so it puts us kind of mid table and it means when we get back from the hundred obviously i think that our big focus will be on that 50 over competition can we get a few more wins on the board and get our way to to that finals day and I think we're a really good 50 over team as well. People are very clear on the plans and their options in 50 over cricket. And I think I really back us to to do well and, and see where we can get to in that competition. And on the flip side of that, obviously the T20 stuff, as you you touched on then, like it's been really difficult. We've we've not really played our best cricket and that's what's quite disappointing. Um, we're quite a young side and I think that's great at times, but obviously we've probably shown our inexperience over the last few weeks. And yeah, like it's, it's tricky. You obviously want to win. And when you get in a run of of losing, it can be quite difficult to get out with that. But the girls are such a great group, group at Lightning. Like, I absolutely love them. and um, I love the the camaraderie there and everything. So um, we stick around each other quite well. And I think that's good. And I think a bit of time away, like off to the 100 with a few of us at different teams and things, I think when we all come back together, um, we'll have a real good shot at getting some wins on the board, hopefully
0: and um for you personally you've taken a couple of 4 furs uh one against northwest thunder and one against vipers do you think this season in particular by having more fixtures in the hey Ho flint trophy and having the regional t20 competition it's helped you get into more of a rhythm bowling wise
2: yeah 100% i think for me game time is massive i think that really affected me last season when you know we had a couple of middle practices and then it was almost straight into the the England bubble and the the Lightning season yeah for me I love I just love game time I love being out on the pitch and that's where I can really improve the most I suppose as well so yeah I've loved having a lot of fixtures and it's helped like you say bore myself into a bit of rhythm and and get a bit of confidence out there
1: yeah because thinking about 2020 as well obviously with Covid and you're one of the England players with um, Tammy Beaumont to join Lightning and I guess there's that added pressure as well for you and you went quite quietly, I think, in terms of like you're really economical, but because he wasn't taking the wickets as regularly as you were this season, I guess it, it mounts a bit of pressure for you because you want to be that big name, I guess. Um so how do you find it?
2: To be honest, it was the first time in my in my career that I've really struggled, like cricket and performance wise. And yeah, I struggled within the England bubble to, to put any performances together. And I think that just mounted up on me when we came back into the regional environment. You know, I I exactly like you said, I felt as though well, I'm an England player, I should be performing, I should be taking wickets, I should be leading the line. And, you know, I was struggling within my own game, so putting that added pressure on myself and, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good a good place to be, I suppose, and, it, and as you will have seen it, it negatively impacted my performances. I think that's probably the biggest difference to this season. Obviously, I don't have that pressure of being an England player anymore, but also I've told myself that, you know, when you don't enjoy cricket, you don't play well anyway, so you might as well enjoy yourself and get the most out of your training and your teammates. And yeah, it's had a really big impact on on me on the pitch as well.
1: But you're still so economical as well. And like, you can't take that away. Like just because you weren't getting those kind of wickets like you were previously, it doesn't mean your performances weren't good because they still were good. It was just quite quiet, I think. And people sometimes forget that. Like, it's such an important role that you play as well, especially with the balls. You know, you are building that pressure on the bat and creating those dot balls. You don't have to take, like, four furs, five furs every (laughs) single match. It's nice, though, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I'd say it would be lovely.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I think um, you're right, exactly. When I look back now, I can definitely pick out some positives at the time. Unfortunately, you judge yourself on things like wickets, which... Like you say, they're not always in your control. What is in my control is is having that low economy rate and, and putting the batters under the pressure and, and things. And I think now I'll reflect much more objectively on, on that rather than it purely focusing on, on wickets being the, the be all and end all.
0: And obviously, we know how much of an impact COVID has had on the world and the whole of 2020, which we're just going to ignore that it happened. <laughs> didn't exist. For you as a player at Lightning, how has COVID impacted the way that you
2: train? Yeah, I think as much as probably most of the teams, we've been really lucky, to be honest. Obviously, we've got we've had the NCPC through the winter and then we're really lucky with the facilities at Loughborough with Hazelgrave and Brockington. So largely, we've been able to continue training through the most part. Obviously, got access to power base Gym as well. So we've been really fortunate. obviously gets a bit frustrating at times having to dump your kit bags outside and all these little things wearing your masks and and distancing in the gym wiping down all the equipment but to be honest compared to how a lot of people have had to be living and I know a lot of other teams have even struggled with the facilities and things we take it any day and we've been really lucky in that sense.
1: Yeah definitely you spoke about the camaraderie within the group as well and obviously we'll talk about the KSL in a bit but it is kind of some of the older faces and some new faces you've got like the likes of uh, Michaela Kirk joining you completely new name for a domestic circuit in England. So tell us a little bit more about the players who are playing for lightning at the moment.
2: Yeah so obviously like you say there's there's the likes of myself, the Bryces, Abby and Lucy who have been part of lightning and are probably kind of the senior senior faces and Sonia obviously in there. but there's a lot of a lot of younger girls, a lot of new faces. Sophie Munro's um, been outstanding for us. So she showed that in the last game um, against Sparks. She's been around some of the, the KSL teams and things, but I think this is great for her. She's off to the hundreds as well with London Spirit and I think they'll have they love really noticed what she's been up to over the last few weeks, which I think is great. I better give a shout out to Sachi and Grace. Sachi Pye and Grace Bollinger, they're two of my little mates. They're just like a bundle of laughs, them too, It's laugh a minute with them, which I think is great. They're big characters in the team and like I, I love spending time with them and uh, they bring out the the youthful side of me, which is good fun as well. Michaela Kurt, you touched on. She's brought a lot of energy to the group because obviously coming over from South Africa, uh, it's all very new for her and she wants to make as big an impression as possible. So she's really uh, driven the standards up in training and, the Grave Twins—they are—they've been brilliant, to be honest. And um, they're very quiet girls, and in the last kind of three, four months, they've really come out of the shell. And um, what they give to the team now is is exceptional. And yeah, they're good fun to be around, and I think that's something that I wish we'd got to see more of early. But I'm glad we're getting to see the best of them now.
1: Yeah, I heard because uh, Teresa's been performing absolutely amazingly this season, especially. But I've heard they're quite quiet, and we would love to get them on here to do some interviews. But I think you need to work a bit of magic on them first.
2: I'll have a word because honestly they're coming out of the shell they're brilliant and then it's just a little subtle remarks they make every now and again it has the whole team in stitches. Just on
0: the team you are quite a young team do you think sometimes that helps in terms of bonding getting that team unity and perhaps when bowling because you're all around the similar age so you can all you all sort of have the same experiences in a way?
2: Yeah I think it definitely helps when we're around the group we're very lucky in a sense that with Lightning we're all mainly based in Loughborough so we're kind of all around each other the whole time whether that's going for coffees and and things like that or whether it's in the training environment and I think like you say that helps that's helped bring us close together which has naturally impacted us in a positive way on the pitch I think um, yeah the fact we're young I think has massive benefits in a sense of there's no fear within people they want to go out and, and play their game and and people are always looking to learn and improve at every opportunity which i think is 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 massive and it's a real strength of of our group
1: yeah because you kind of touched on it before as well about being more of a senior player and it was coming across like you're feeling a little bit old surely you're not feeling that old because you're still early 20s aren't you
2: yeah well i'm 23 but in lightning that's i think i'm the the third oldest or fourth obviously sonia is head and shoulders above the rest of us. And then my, Abby's a year above me, and then me and Lucy and Catherine are all 23. So, yeah, I mean, not, not often I'm feeling old, but if they did youngies v oldies in a warm-up game, then I know which side I'd be on.
1: Oh, I love that. Wow. Hopefully you'll get some more senior players back as well because I guess that's really nice to see that Sonia did come back this season because she didn't she wasn't around in 2020 was she? So the fact that she's joined, you never know you might get some return of some of the not, not girls thinking like maybe Jodie Cook or people like that may come to Lightning perhaps in the future.
2: Yeah, you never know, and I think that's the beauty of domestic cricket is you never know who's going to show up, who's out there, whether that's a young player or like you say somebody who's been around the circuit before. But Sonia's been brilliant. It's been great to have her back. Just her you know level of expertise and her calmness on the pitch obviously as you'll have seen in the games like she's bowling you know now they're full quarter overs every game and obviously bats in the top five so what she offers us is is fantastic.
0: Previously before this Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy, you were under the Loughborough Lightning umbrella how difficult or how challenging has it been to distance yourself from the Loughborough brand and just be known as Lightning cricket team?
2: Yeah, I suppose because a lot of this stuff is the same, a lot of the staff are the same, a lot of the players are the same, and we're ultimately using the same facilities. I mean, a lot of people still call us Loughborough Lightning, and I know it It gets on the management's nerves. <laughs> but I don't think it's something we've thought about too much, to be honest, because we're still part of that Lightning family at Loughborough University. So although there's a name change, I wouldn't say there's, there's been too many, too many other changes.
1: Yeah, but I guess it's important to represent the whole of the East Midlands now, and there's that added responsibility, I guess. And you played for Nottingham in the past, haven't you? So what is it like when it comes to the counties that kind of feed into Lightning now? Is there much involvement? Do you get to go out into the communities much?
2: Yeah, I think that's something that will grow and develop as the kind of professionalism of the whole um, regional programme develops. Um, obviously, we've got the Lightning Academy, which is kind of the feeder into to our squad and all those girls play in the east midlands whether it's for Notts, leicester derby whoever and i think that's really where the strength in depth will come from is those feeders and that come through the county circuit and they feed up into the lightning academy and, and hopefully into the the lightning first team but definitely i think that'll develop and you know as the program grows we'll probably spend more time trying to get as many of these young girls into they're not age groups, pathways and things like that, which will hopefully then feed it ultimately into Lightning.
1: And then just thinking as well about the KSL generally as well. So you made your debut, were you 20 when you made your debut for Loughborough Lightning? Uh, Yeah. Ish, yeah, ish. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you were around the squad for some time before that as well. So tell us about making your Lightning debut back in the Loughborough Lightning KSL days and what the KSL did for you as a player.
2: Yeah, I mean... I was around for a couple of years before I was signed a combination of getting me kind of involved in the environment. And obviously, as I'm sure you know, the kind of Scotland, England rules and regs, which made it quite tricky to to get involved early on. But when I finally made my debut, yeah, that was, I remember you were there, Hannah. I remember that. It was pretty special. We were somewhere in Lancashire. I remember being really nervous, not knowing if I was going to play kind of in the lead up to it. Uh, I guess when you get signed as a local player and you've only ever really played county cricket until you kind of establish yourself in that 11, I didn't really know which way the the balance of the team was going to go. So I was, first of all, obviously delighted to get picked. And then I had a good debut. I think I took two wickets and it just settled me in. And from there, I kind of felt the world was my oyster a bit. And I think sometimes I wish I could get back to that kind of place I was in in 2018, because not once did I think about playing for England or... Anything other than I just want to bowl today, and I just want to do well today. That was all it ever was, and I played my best cricket of my life probably then. Just bowling, enjoying it, loving it, not thinking too much about anything, and yeah, it's, it it really set me up um, my whole career and um, that first year in the KSL. I read somewhere, so
0: do correct me if I'm wrong, but it said that you were the leading wicket taker of the 2018 Kia Super League. I don't know if that is correct or not.
1: Yeah, it's correct.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it kind of links to what you were saying previously, that in 2018, you felt like you were at your best. Is that why perhaps you think you got the wickets that you did or did you just feel like because there wasn't that added pressure, you know, of I've got to play for England, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. It kind of freed your mind to just go out there and have fun and take wickets.
2: I think a combination of of those things and also when you've kind of just played county cricket, I guess in the lead up to the competition, opposition teams, for example, they may be talking like they will be talking about the bowlers in the in the opposition team and and you know I probably wasn't spoken about that much in 2018 a because people didn't know loads about me and B they may, potentially didn't see me as a as a key bowler coming into the competition. so I probably had that relative unknown factor. Um, on my side and like you say you've hit the nail on the head coupled with the kind of freedom to express and to play with, without pressure all I wanted to do was play full off lightning and there was nothing else in the forefront of my mind you know which just allowed me like say when I went out to bowl all that was in my head was how am I going to get the batter that's at the other end of of the crease out
1: yeah and you, that was a phenomenal year for you it was kind of like a whirlwind wasn't it of just So you've had to make that decision between Scotland and England, sign the papers. You've got a bit of a story about that, haven't you? Did it cost a fiver or something?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to, um, it has to be like witnessed by a lawyer or something like that. So Rob Taylor came with me and we went into some random solicitors in Loughborough and he charged me a fiver to sign on this piece of paper. £5 to sign my nationality away, that's my joke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? But In all seriousness as well, that decision must have been really, really tough because you played for Scotland for years and years before that. You know, you'd had reasonable success. And then, you know, you've got this situation of, right, do I become a professional cricketer? But at that time, it was just for six weeks. It wasn't for a year-round programme. So it was a bit of a risk for you, wasn't it?
2: It was a huge risk. um, And sometimes I look back and I think, geez, like that really was a risk. Um, But yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was would I look back in two years five years at the end of my career and think God, oh, maybe what could I have achieved what could I have done or would I look back and think do you know what I gave it a crack and maybe I wasn't good enough and for me that option was always the one I was going to pick and yeah like you say it was a whirlwind to have such a good KSL and then get picked up by England on the back of that and you know even looking now having you know I've lost my England contract I'm obviously still a professional cricketer and I'm really lucky for that but I wouldn't have changed any decisions I made because at the time it was the exact right thing for me to do. And I've got some amazing memories because of that. And, you know, hopefully it's it's not the end of my England career either.
1: Yeah, no, I'm sure it won't be. Yeah, yeah. So in 2018, you went to St. Lucia and Antigua off the back of the KSL performances and your county performances. And again, there, you, your debut, you got player of the match. So again, it was just going from strength to strength to strength, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was. And and it was all very, all happened so quickly again at the World Cup. Obviously, there's pressure. You're playing for England, you're at a World Cup. But it didn't really sink in, to be honest, when I was there and I was just playing again, a bit like the KSL, just kind of taking it in my stride and not really probably appreciating what I was doing. And there was massive pros to that in the sense that, you know, you don't feel the pressure as much and you just, I just played and had great success obviously looking back, I probably think, oh, did I really like appreciate what what I was doing and where I was and, and take those moments in. And I think that's something that if I ever play for England again, I know I'll make sure I take in those moments that little bit more. And obviously it'll probably mean that little bit more as well. And
0: obviously we've touched a little bit on the fact that you did play for Scotland and then you met switched allegiances to England. What are some of the differences you maybe perhaps have noticed playing for both sides? If there are any,
2: the biggest difference is just the professionalism um, within the England setup. Obviously, they've been fully professional since 2014, but have obviously been helped to be funded since like way before that as well. So, and the strength of the domestic circuit is huge in kind of providing that professionalism to the England team. A lot of the Scotland girls have huge natural talent and potential, but unfortunately when they're working nine to five full-time jobs and they don't have the educational resources and the, the kind of time to put on task, I think, you know, there's, there are unfortunately at the minute they are parallels apart, but that's an area that I massively see Scotland improving in as they begin to become that little step more professional. I think they'll grow leaps and bounds in the, in the coming years.
1: And then with your World Cup debut as well, it was tainted a little bit by the interview <laughs> where they confused you with Sophia Dunkley and you did so, so, much. like at that moment, my respect to you literally went up because obviously I've seen you in the KSL, I've seen you do your media bits and stuff and you know, you're good, absolutely fine. <laughs> but in that moment, I was like, oh my God, what a hero because you kept your composure. You could have easily just been like, what are you chatting? Could have got a bit like- I, would, I don't know how I would have responded to that moment, but tell us a little bit more, tell Alex what was going on, because Alex didn't get to see it at that time and, yeah, it tainted the experience,
2: I guess, a little bit. Yeah, it did. It really did, to be honest. Um, and it's something that, to this day, I've refused to ever watch back. Yeah, just my biggest frustration was that would it have happened in a men's game. Absolutely not. You know, the 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 commentators and the um, presenters, etc. they would have they would know who these players were. And I think that's my biggest frustration of the kind of event. But yeah, I I don't really know how I kind of managed to answer it. I was just obviously shell-shocked. And I think I remember kind of looking around and Henry, R. media manager, was kind of stood just behind and he was kind of filming. So but because of the kind of noise in the stadium, he couldn't hear. And I was kind of looking at him as if to be like, what on earth do I do here? But yeah, I just kind of answered the questions. And obviously, was it was something like that to ever happen again I probably would turn around to the poor fella and say like come on that's not me do you not know what you're doing here or something but in that moment you just don't expect something like that to happen you just kind of go with it and he did apologise to me after to be fair and because I went on to get player of the match I got interviewed again at the end by Isha I think who obviously knew who I was and it was a much better interview so thankfully it didn't it it didn't um, ruin the experience too much. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so basically, the presenter live on TV as well, so there's no hiding at all. So that's that additional pressure on top, isn't it? For Kirsty was Sophia Dunkley was asking about the sorry stars, asking about batting and what she's going to bring to the batting lineup, and Kirsty was really polite and really well handled that situation. But you could see in your face, you're like, what on earth is going on? But I do not know how you kept your cool in this line.
2: Bearing in mind, me and Dunks couldn't be we couldn't look more different for starters but also our skill sets are very different as well so it was if if he thought I was Lindsay Smith it might have been less kind of it would have been more forgiving because we're both left arm spinners we've both been at lightning but to get me mixed up with dunks I was thinking what is this guy on
0: I feel like because women's cricket is people are still trying to get their heads around it that they don't research it well enough if that makes sense so they think oh they just get given a sheet of stats and someone's name and they just automatically assume that for instance you are Sophia dunkley like but like you said you two could not look anything further from each other
2: yeah no i agree i think that's something that the women's game has got to improve on like it does in in other facets as well and we've got some amazing amazing female commentators and presenters and not even just female but people who are very good within the female game like Mark Butcher for example and we need to keep utilising them and just because there's big names out there who are really good in the men's commentating and the men's game doesn't necessarily mean that they you know get first dibs on our games and I think I think yeah as the women's game grows and gets more professional and is more visible I think that will improve I think people you know that mistakes these mistakes won't be made again because sophia dunkley's a household name you know people know who she is and and um i think we'll move away from that i hope anyway yeah
1: that's what i love about this regional competition now people are becoming household names they don't have to play for england that you can be a, a household name especially with 100 as well yeah you're going to be like these match heroes and really you know the visibility of it is going to be so huge for the women's game so like you say hopefully it will be in people's consciousness now
2: yeah, exactly. And that's, that's all we want really as as female female athletes is to be given that same respect, I suppose, as men do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the World Cup as well in 2018, I know you, there was a bit of disappointment because, you know, you came runners up in the final. So you can't say you're a World Cup winner, but you can say you're a World Cup runner up. And that's still an amazing achievement. And I know in the moment it doesn't feel like it, but having, you know, reflected on it now, does that still hold fond memories and is that something that, you know, you hold up your medal with pride?
2: Yeah, massively. I think, um, you know, I've obviously not played many times for England. And if and in, in that sense, you know, I have played at a World Cup and that's a huge achievement. Like I said already, I want to play more for England. I want to be in another World Cup. But for now, I've got a World Cup silver medal and, you know, a lot of people can't say that. So, yeah, you're right. I've got to take pride in that. Obviously, looking back, that the whole competition has amazing memories that final day hurts still, you know, just we didn't play good cricket and, you know, we didn't really put up a fight, so of course that still, it still hurts, but like you say, I'm a World Cup finalist and and not a lot of people can say that.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, you're still quite young, so there's still plenty of time for you to be an eventual World Cup winner, so. I hope
2: so, one day.
0: <laughs> You've got time on your side, but um, I just wanted to bring it to scotland shift it to scotland slightly we spoke to ab to her and she she spoke to us about how she was 12 when she made her debut you were sort of a similar age at 14 is there a sense of pressure being that young to perform from the get-go or do you just take it every ball or every moment
2: obviously i remember being very nervous at that age of course you're going to have a lot of nerves but I don't think you realise or I certainly didn't realise the kind of magnitude of of what I was getting involved in I suppose at that time you know when you're 14 like that's so young like I look back now that that's really young that's nine years ago I had no idea what I was getting myself into I played cricket because I enjoyed it and I was good at it there was no kind of extra pressure on me in that sense to perform it probably wasn't until I was kind of 16, 17, and I was the frontline spinner at Scotland, that I kind of started to think maybe a bit more about performances and things like that. So probably not because like like say 14 and 12, like that's so young. And um, you don't really think about it much. And I think as the game moves more into professionalism and, you know, the volume of of girls playing cricket in Scotland increases, that that'll happen less and less as well. And what was
1: your entry point into cricket? Did you have somebody that you looked up to? Was it through like a family member or do you just turn up to like an after school club and got in love that way?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm from a little town called Huntley in Scotland, which just has an amazing cricket club like it always has. It's got a really strong history with the cricket club and the head coach there, Neil Nicol. He went round all the schools, did all the kind of, but he was such a, like really managed to get people really involved and ran a festival. And the best people from the festival got picked to go and, and join the the club um, for like a six week block or something like that. And there was there was eight of us, me and seven friends went along and we just loved it. We went every week and played quick cricket. But as you can imagine, unfortunately, with women's sport, that number became seven, became six, became five until I was the last one standing um, you know, playing men's cricket on a Saturday and uh, I'd gone up through the ranks of 10 up to you know 14, 15 and then like I say got involved with the Scotland women stuff.
0: I don't know if you will be able to touch on this too much but what are some of the differences in the setups in Scotland and in England?
2: From what I've seen down here that, that it's just the volume of girls playing cricket is massive. I think when they've got really solid infrastructures in place all around the, the counties. It makes a big difference. And once you've got that infrastructure in place and you've got, say, 10, 15 girls playing, I think the feed, the feeder in becomes much easier because these girls can see girls playing cricket and they can see women playing cricket. So that whole kind of circle becomes much bigger. Whereas in Scotland, I when I began playing cricket, I couldn't name you a female cricketer. You know, I could have told you about Kevin Peterson and Ian Bell, but I couldn't have told you about any female cricketers. The first female cricketer I met was when Carrie Carswell, the Scotland captain at the time, came up to Huntley because we had such a, an amazing girls' section. And um, you know, she came up to kind of see what it was about and kind of aim to inspire, which which she did because I was like, wow, there's actually women that play cricket. This is amazing. It's not just a game I'm gonna have to play with the boys my whole life for. And yeah, because um
1: Harry's now uh, head of women's cricket for Middlesex and the MCC isn't she so she's gone on to really big things I guess as well so it's really important to have those kind of female role models but you're now one of those female role models like representing Scotland and England obviously because I guess you still have that you know Scotland badge on you as well don't you do you feel a sense of pride that you're there to
2: show other Scotland girls what they can become? Yeah massively and I think yeah we're um, like you say obviously I want to represent England but for me, I'm Scottish and I represent Scotland in in that way, like you said. And yeah, like definitely, I think Abtaz, another great example of somebody who's going to fly the flag. You know, she's going to be in the hundreds. Um, I can't wait to see her um, at the end of the week as well. And yeah, exactly. She's going to be showing those girls back home that by even putting in performances within Scotland, it can get you recognised to come and play in, in franchise competitions. And I guess for me, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. I want people to think there's there's no limit to to what you can achieve. Even if you're from a a small rural town in the north of Scotland, you know, you can you can go on to achieve what you want to achieve within the sport.
1: That's so powerful. Honestly, I Abdur did say when we interviewed her that she's really looking forward to reconnecting with you and how you were inspiration for her to be able to you know see it to be it. and as she is a spinner herself as well obviously she takes a lot of like fond memories of playing with you but also seeing you to aspire to be like you so what's it going to be like when you you know put on the orange for birmingham phoenix and hopefully you'll both be playing at the same time
2: yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, to be honest. Like I'm looking forward to a different challenge, different coaches, management, learning off different players and and things. And ultimately, yeah, like I'm looking forward to seeing Abta, like you say, and seeing how far she's come, I suppose, because the last time we played together, she would have been, well, I would have been seven, she might have been like 14 or 15. So she'll have come a long way. And I've obviously come a long way. So it'll be nice to kind of catch up and, and see how each other's tracking.
1: Yeah, and I guess you've got a bit of added responsibility because you're one of the higher picked players as well. So you must have taken quite a lot of confidence from that as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think like yeah, definitely like you say, and I'm looking forward to supporting players like Abduhan and, and working with her as well, and seeing how how much I can kind of give to her in that sense. And yeah, like I am really looking forward to it. I think I've dealt with the pressure of being a a key player in Lightning really well so far this summer and I'm looking forward to the pressure of the 100 and I think that's the difference in my mindset to last year is I want to use the pressure as as a positive rather than let it bring me down
1: yeah I absolutely love that because I guess you've been used to the bubble kind of side of things as well because with the 100 we've seen like announcement announcements it's going to be a tighter bubble to ensure that the tournament does happen so how are you feeling ahead of that?
2: Yeah, I'm 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 a bit nervous about that. To be fair, I think the strict bubbles of like last summer and things were really tricky, but I think as players and as staff, we're much more kind of clued on to how we can make that experience better. I think the excitement of a new competition and you know we're still able to travel to all the grounds and and things. I think it will be much better than the kind of typical 2020 covid bubble and yeah you've just got to make the most of it you've got to be for me i'm thinking about being grateful for being able to play in the competition because it didn't happen last year and you know it could easily they could have gone do you know what it's too high risk we're going to cut it so we're getting to play in the hundred it's super exciting to be a part of and like i said earlier like a lot of people are in a lot of worse positions so for the sake of not go into the pub or a restaurant for six weeks i think i'll manage <laughs>
0: And also, just on the 100 and the tournament as a whole, what are you most looking forward to during your time at Birmingham Phoenix?
2: I think for me, I love like connecting with new Phoenix. people and learning um, as much as I can. So there's obviously three overseas playing that I've never met before. I don't know them. So I'm looking forward to learning off them. And a bit like Lightning in the KSL, there's always a good camaraderie around these competitions and Um, yeah I'm just looking forward to the new environment and and getting started to be honest
0: and uh, are you prepared to be whacked in the nets from uh, Shafali Verma perhaps or are you gonna are you gonna bowl rockets at her or spin
2: I'm I'm a bit nervous about that to be fair watching the way she took Brunty apart in that last T20 I might be avoiding I'll be avoiding her net when we're in training I think but in all seriousness like geez, like she's 17 and uh, she hits a clean ball. So if she can get going in this in the 100, then well, I think we're the ones to watch because she she can change the game in, in an instant.
0: And uh, just on the 100 as well, how important or how much of a game changer do
2: you think it will be for women's cricket? I think it's massive. I think they've really, really upped the the ante in a sense of making this competition equal in terms of what you see the publicity the the tv um everything so yeah i think hannah you said earlier you can't be what you can't see the hundred epitomizes that because it's going to be whether it's on sky or bbc people are going to tune in and they're going to see women's cricket and they're going to see that for the next six weeks i think that's massive uh, for the women's game it's massive it's particularly for the women's game in this country to get young girls involved. And I guess the important bit is not during the 100, it's after the 100. What can we do to kind of keep that momentum alive and get girls involved in cricket, get them down to their local clubs, get them doing dynamos and these initiatives that the 100 um, are working with? And, and yeah, there'll be some more um, talented girls picking up a bat and a ball and hopefully... This is the beginning of of it going from strength to strength.
1: You touched on, obviously, the overseas players that will be joining you. You're really looking forward to playing with them. But who specifically do you have your eye on in terms of being a tap into their experience or just being a good teammate with, to be honest?
2: Yeah, um, well, I don't know, to be honest, because uh, I don't really know like them hugely well. I think, firstly, Ben, Sawyer's head coach, I'm really looking forward to working with him. Um, he's obviously been around the... Aussie women's team and the Sydney Sixers for a lot of years. So he knows the women's game inside out. And so I'm really looking forward to working with him. And I suppose someone like Erin Burns, who's been around Aussie teams and she's that little bit older, so she has so much knowledge and experience. So I'm really looking forward to yeah, just tapping into their kind of knowledge and and getting to know them as people as well.
1: I have heard that you are rumoured to be favourites, so no pressure. <laughs> when we add Perry though,
2: because you know that's a bit of a game changer.
1: Yeah, Perry and Divine, and <laughs> but yeah. even without them, like it's still such a strong team.
2: Yeah, I think I think the strength is often with your depth, and yeah, people might look at teams and think, well, they've got this England player or they've got this overseas player, but actually, eleven players take to the field, and quite often you need all eleven to win. A, you need all fifteen, I should say, to win a competition. And when I look at Phoenix, I think the strength is in the depth in our team. We've got. We've got good overseas, don't get me wrong, we've got good England players, but we've got good domestic players as well. And I think that's where I hope we can um pip some of the other teams.
0: And uh, just in general on the hundred, who are you looking forward to bowling at
2: from any team, any overseas player? That's a good question. To be honest, I've not really thought about it hugely. I love bowling at all the overseas players because it's just a challenge, isn't it? And excuse me, it's that next level of of challenge. So I think um I do. I am. I am excited to. Oh, I'm trying to think. I don't even know who I want to pick. To be honest. No. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna answer the question exactly because I do love bowling generally. All overseas players. Maybe Lizelle Lee because I like the cat and mouse of of that battle. And even if you get hit for a few boundaries, the it just makes it sweeter if you can get a wicket at the end of it.
0: How good though would it feel get your housemate Catherine Bryce out? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that would be good. I wouldn't be allowed to give any celebrations though. Or she might change the locks before I get back.
0: <laughs> oh
1: dear. I really like that analogy as well. The whole cat and mouse chase. That's really nice. Um hopefully you come out on top on that one. But who are you looking forward to playing against as well in terms of the teams? Like who do you think is going to be the hardest challenge?
2: I think Southern Brave look really good. If I was a betting girl, I'd I'd put a little pound on them because I think they look quite strong. They've got good overseas. They've got good local players, they've got good England players, they've got a good coach in Charlotte Edwards, so I, th- I think they're the team to beat, you know, um, obviously other than us, Birmingham Phoenix, obviously, but yeah, they look good and London teams always do well, but we'll see, I think it's that is the beauty of it, being brand new teams, brand new environments, coaches, players, etc, because nobody really knows what's going to happen, it's a free-for-all really and, and we'll just have to wait and see.
1: You sure you don't want a last minute switch to Trent Rockets where the rest of the Lightning Girls are mainly based?
2: Absolutely not. They, I'm pipped them to come last, so <laughs> I got in trouble for saying that last week. I told them all that they were going to come last. I am a bit jealous they've got Sal Briggs because obviously she's a, she's a legend around this area and is somebody that I owe a lot to in terms of where I've gotten my career to so far. So I'm a bit jealous that I won't be getting to work with her this summer, but in the same breath. Work, I love working with new coaches, and I've got the opportunity to do that.
0: Honestly, I love the savagery, <laughs> but once the hundred is over, you have to be careful because they'll be out for blood in training.
2: <laughs> I know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say it too much, should I? In case we get if they beat us, and I've and I've been winding them up all this time, then I'll never hear the end of it.
1: And also going back to the regional competition as well with Lightning, you've been hitting some sixes. I've seen.
2: Well, I don't know if I have. I hit a couple in training. That's about That's about it for me. I saw it somewhere. <laughs> it's probably not true.
1: Yeah, but in all seriousness as well, you've been working on your batting as well, haven't you? And it, I guess it's so important to have that all-round ability within this regional competition because as we've seen so far with Lightning, you've had to come into that and it has had to go down to number 11 at times.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think it's not how you you aim to set up a team and, and what you want, but at the same time, I want to showcase my skills as well and try and get myself up the order if possible. Yeah, I like that. So we're going to see you a bit
1: further up after the hundred you're going to be up higher in that middle order, perhaps. We'll
2: see. If I can get a few runs in the 100, then you never know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Hannah, she wants to play that Sarah Glenn type role where she, you know, just batters the ball everywhere. Yeah, no,
1: definitely. And also, I just had a little throwback in my head to, there's a really nice video that England did do, going to your farm and farm life and everything. So tell us a little bit more about your personal life and your home life growing up in rural Scotland and because it's it's quite nice it's a bit different isn't it to the normal stories i guess
2: yeah my my parents were on a farm and my dad and my brother are full time on the farm and yeah growing up it was like a a busy household my mum also worked full time as a stockbroker so between that you know she was transporting me to football to cricket to tennis you know i i loved every sport so yeah i think i'm very grateful for the kind of background i've got because my parents worked very hard and they kind of instilled that Work ethic in me from a young age, and whether it was at school or within my sport and things, to kind of you always you always give it your best shot and and see where it'll it'll take you. And I guess now it's really nice to go back there because you can kind of shut off from the rest of the world almost. And I spent my lockdown there during COVID, and it didn't even though it ob- obviously felt like I was in lockdown. I can appreciate my lockdown experience was very different to somebody who lives in a town or a city with limited garden space you know I had acres of land I had a big garden I set up some bowling and fielding drills in the garden I had my home gym so yeah it's it's nice to go back there and kind of remember where you came from and appreciate it in that sense.
0: And yeah you just touched on the fact that you did play a wide variety of sports how did you end up settling on cricket?
2: Well I would have settled on football if I was good enough at it. Football is always my favourite sport, still is, I openly admit that but I was playing regional football so like north of Scotland football and I was playing cricket for Scotland at that same time and it got to that tricky stage of you know exam time at school and you know was I gonna have to make a choice and things so yeah cricket kind of just took took the, the step forward from there. I was better at it, I could see kind of progression in it which I couldn't really see in football I continued to play here and there but that was really the kind of time where when I was kind of like 15 16 that football kind of took the back seat and and cricket took the took my priorities
1: yeah you played a bit of football at Loughborough didn't you for the students occasionally
2: yeah yeah when I was available I used to love getting involved yeah
1: now you've got lightning football as well, so yes, are we that, yeah, for lightning cricket and lightning football.
2: Yeah, imagine. No, I don't. I think my high standard football days are over, but I think I'd love to get back involved again at some sort of recreational level. Because again, you miss the kind of the the changing room banter and the competitive kind of playing football because you love it rather than because it's your job which is kind of the balance that is tricky to find in cricket sometimes
1: yeah because I guess that was the thing for me coming to Loughborough it was all about like playing sport and then I lost my confidence with cricket and then with football it was all right but I wasn't going to go anywhere with football and then I got into this media stuff and then you lose all of that you don't have to you know you don't have to perform or anything but then your life becomes standing there taking photos becoming like more sedentary it's only now I'm returning to the recreational side of the games and stuff and just enjoying it
2: yeah definitely yeah that's what I miss about football I think because obviously with cricket there's a lot of pressure involved naturally and I do aim to go into every session and have fun and enjoy it but it can sometimes get lost when you think about the bigger picture of the importance of what you're doing but if you play a bit of recreational football on a Sunday, then it's it is just fun and games, isn't it? And I do miss that sometimes, yeah.
1: Especially when it's cold winter months, you know, not nice as it is, it's going to be fun. But you mentioned as well, obviously, this year losing your England contract. Luckily now there is that regional platform to catch you and you can still be a professional cricketer. But how are you feeling now?
2: Yeah, it's been like, I will never shy away from the fact that it's been a really, really tricky period of time. I think that period when... The girls went to New Zealand. That was when I probably knew then, like, oh, this is not going to go down well because that's November, December time or December, January. And the contracts are up in April. I'm thinking, how am I going to prove to them that I deserve a contract? Well, I'm not, is the bottom line. So that whole kind of period, we're in lockdown, it's winter, dark months. It was it was really hard, yeah. And I struggled my way through that and through the loss of my contracts. But again, like I mentioned, Without Lightning, I would have, I don't know how I would be getting on, to be quite honest, because the girls there, the way they are and how well I get on with them, has made the last three, four months much more enjoyable. Obviously, I'm playing good cricket, I'm having fun, find that real balance in my life again. And I'm in a really good place now. And I think if I'd been sat here and. If I'd had this, if you'd asked me the same question in March, I would not have thought that the last two or three months would have gone how they have. So I'm really glad for that, really grateful for Lightning, for giving me that kind of platform to play and to have fun. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the 100. I'm in a real good spot, I think. Yeah, it's kind of surprising how quickly things can turn around and it shows you that it can turn around if you you give it a chance and you pick yourself up.
1: Yeah, and it, that's so good to hear that you are in a better place and you've got plenty of cricket to play and you've still got all these professional opportunities and the added money from the 100 coming is quite sweet as well. It's not just playing in a competition, it's a nice chunk of money as well. So there's so many different opportunities. Hopefully there'll be more global competitions that you can be a part of as well. Like it's such an exciting time for women's cricket, but your journey is definitely not over. It's just the beginning, isn't it? So hopefully... Fingers crossed you'll get back into our England squad in the future, but you're still young, still plenty of time, and we really appreciate you talking about that as well because it can be quite hard, I guess, and a little raw. But we're going to move on to the final questions now and just wrap up. Um, right.
0: So, Alex, over to you. So I always like to start with this one, and it is uh, favourite genre of music. I like a bit of, like,
2: pop rock. So a bit of, like, Sam Fender, that kind of music. That is, like, top quality. Favourite musician? Ed Sheeran last book you read i don't read books ever so probably like my school exams and i can like the lord of the flies or something like that probably
0: last tv show you binge watched
2: i watched marcella not long ago i got through that in about five minutes hannah's favorite one is favorite sledge favorite sledge i don't sledge i just chat rubbish chatting rubbish also counts chatting rubbish then Best sledge that has been said to you? I once got told I'm going to have a nosebleed because I'm batting that high up the batting order. Last film you watched? God, I don't watch many films either, to be honest. Probably at Christmas. I love a film at Christmas. Love Actually. What a film. I'm going to let Hannah ask
0: the tea item question because that's her favourite one in the world. I just like food. Um, What's
1: your favourite tea item at a traditional proper village cricket tea?
2: A scone, 100%. Do you eat the scone
0: plain or do you have, like cream but butter and jam or what, what kind of situation
2: have, you gotta have your jam and your cream jam then cream no yeah 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 jam then cream
1: uh, cream
2: then jam, jam like trickles into the cream gets ruined that's the whole point nah <laughs> cream on top
0: you know this is almost as bad as the debate is it scone is it scone is it cream before jam or jam before cream who knows
2: Personal preference. We'll settle on that.
0: Best mate in the Lightning team? Catherine Bryce. Who has got the worst fashion taste in the team?
2: Nancy Harmon. (laughs) She's going to kill me.
0: Who's got the best taste
2: in music? Like, Who's the um, team DJ? Sachi and Grace like to think they're the team DJ. Mm -hmm. They like to think they've got the good music taste, but it's not my music. It's like that rave music. Awful.
0: Yeah, as you can tell by my face there, I'm not a fan of the rave music.
2: No, neither am I.
0: Is it silly hats and silly sunglasses?
2: Yeah, they love it. Bucket hats. God,
0: no. Bucket hats. Unless you're going to a festival or the football, it's a no for me.
2: They think they, their lives are a festival. They think that.
0: Oh, good Lord. Favourite grounds have played
1: at?
2: I love Edgebaston. to be fair, so I'm looking forward to having some more home games there and the Sir Viv Richard Stadium in Antigua.
0: Best place you've played, although I appreciate you may not have played a lot of matches abroad.
2: Probably St Lucia and Antigua, to be fair. Obviously, it's the World Cup, so it was amazing memories, but it's obviously a beautiful country as well.
1: Perfect. That sounds like it's a good place to wrap up. But thank you so much for chasing me up and getting this in because we were super keen to try and get. We got Rob on obviously, but I wanted to get a lightning player on like ASAP too. And it's so good to be able to get your story out
2: there as well. So thank you. Yeah. No worries. Thank you for having me.
0: Massive thank you to Kirsty for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. We wish her all the luck in the world for the rest of the season. And for her stint in the 100. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at wcricketchat Chat and on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. And if you wanted to give our personal Twitters a follow, Hannah is at hannity 1194 and I'm at Alex Jane Pereira. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time.